And now, from our studios in Kansas City, Sci-Fi For Me Radio is live from the bunker. Okay, here we go. Right from the start, I get red lights and we start buffering. Hopefully we can get it out of the way and and it won't be a problem the rest of the show. Hello everybody, welcome. We are live from the bunker. My name is Jason Hunt. I am the editor here at SciFiForMe.com. Happy to have all of you with us. I see Cam in the chat, Keely in the chat. Cam just subbed to our Rumble channel. That takes our count up to 76. So uh, so that's, that's all good. This show is also available on a number of different podcast platforms. Want to give a shout out to our listeners in various parts of the world. Australia, South Africa, Germany, Sweden, UK, Spain. Belgium. There's what about showing up there in the chat. Good to have you there as well. And uh, we are, as the as the uh, icon indicates, we are on the road to 500 number our our 500th episode, our 500th installment, coming at the end of the year, probably about December 30th. I gotta figure the figure the calendar for some of that stuff and make sure that we're gonna actually hit the target because there's some you know holidays and stuff in there in the in the midst of all of that. But yeah, I do I do want to uh, I do want to uh, remind people that we have our uh, our Rumble channel, uh, which is uh, very slowly climbing up. And uh, the subscriber count, we're sitting here at 76. We need to get to 100 before we can start live streaming to Rumble. There's a couple of other things we're going to have to do on the back end that involves money. But 100, 100 subscribers is the bare minimum floor for being able to live stream. So we got to get to that number before we can do anything else anyway. So encourage your friends. Uh, and those of you who watch us over on YouTube... Uh, go ahead and subscribe to us over on Rumble as well, just because uh, you never know what's going to happen. We're also on um, Odyssey. We're on Twitch. So the, our our stuff gets ported over to BitChute. I think that's still active, but we don't do anything with that one uh, for a, a few different reasons. But uh, yeah, Odyssey and Rumble are our big go-to alternate channels as far as the video goes. So I do encourage you to uh, to check those out and see what we can see. Right now, over on uh, on YouTube itself, uh, we're sitting at twenty-one forty-seven. So we're getting close. We're we're inching closer to twenty-two hundred. Uh, so you know there is there is always. Room for growth. Now, something something that has struck me as interesting a little bit. A question. Uh, and this is a question for those of you in the chat, those of you who are watching this in replay, if you want to leave a comment with your thoughts, here's the question. How do I help you help me? 
because I need your help. Those of you who are here on the regular especially, I need your help. And I've seen, I've seen a few people, Cam is one of them, uh, sharing the links out to the channel and to various different videos and whatnot. I'm, I'm thinking I might want to maybe try to incentivize that somehow. And I'm not sure exactly how I want to do that. But how do I help you help me spread the word about this channel? That, that's, that's my question. It's a, it's, a, it's a point to ponder. It's a puzzle. It's a puzzle. It's a conundrum. It's, uh, it's one of those things that makes you go, hmm, how do we do that? So y'all ruminate and, and confabulate on that a little bit, and, uh, and we'll circle back. Now, coming up on Friday, I think we've got the technology figured out. <clears throat> Knock on wood. Friday, we're going to have an open line Friday. We're going to have an open line Friday, and we're going to do what we did last night uh, as part of Ranker Pit. I think we've got it all figured out. The only thing that we're not able to do yet is incorporate the comments. So what, we, what we've what we got is StreamYard feeding into OBS going out to all of the streams. So <laughs> affiliate marketing. <laughs> you know, if we were making money, I'd consider it. I mean, I need a I need a talent booker. I need a I need a social media manager. I you know I, there's there's all sorts of things that I could do if I had money, and that's that's not anything new here because I've talked about that time, manpower, money, and money gets you time and manpower. So you know it's 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 that kind of thing. All right, let's start with an unenveloping, an unboxing. We're gonna we're gonna do this. I got this in the mail yesterday to our. To our box, uh, it is a book. More than likely, this is from Smith Publicity. We get frequently get books from them, so I'm going to open this up. Little sound effects, ASMR there for uh, for those of you who are listening to this as a podcast. We're available on a number of podcast platforms, including Amazon Music iHeartRadio, Spotify, all the big names. Apple. All right, this is... Uh, oh, 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 I think... Yes, yes, yes. They, they told me about this one. All right. This is a book called Tune In Tomorrow. It is by Randy Dawn. It is uh, the curious, calamitous, cockamamie story of Star Weatherby and the greatest mythic reality show ever. It's by Randy Dawn. Uh, uh, star Weatherby came to New York to become a star, but after years of unsuccessful struggling, she's offered a big role on a show no one has ever heard of. An over 400-year-old reality TV docu-soap, Tune In Tomorrow, is shot beyond the veil by mythical creatures, stars humans, and streams out to a fanatical audience of fantastic creatures who are positive that they are getting a peek into real human lives. But Star's transformation from astounded newcomer to fan favorite is hardly smooth. A desperate, devious diva wants her gone. A handsome Lothario's advances are suspect. Her assistant is organizing a strike. And was her predecessor dropped into a bottomless pit? So this, uh, this is something that I kind of have been looking forward to. This sounds a little bit fun. Uh, a unique combination of pop culture, fantasy, and humor. Tune in tomorrow takes readers on a roller coaster ride 
behind the scenes to see how the TV sausage gets made. <sighs> Having spent 34 years in media and knowing how the TV sausage gets made, I'm curious to see just how close we're going to get. So tune in tomorrow by Randy Dawn. Uh, it looks like uh, this this might be fun. A fantasy-ish uh, reality show. So it's, uh, yeah, that'll be, that'll be interesting to see. So we add that to the pile <coughs> of the various different uh, books that are up for review. Because there are a lot of those dating back to 2012. Anyway. All right, uh, we do have an update on a story we talked about last week. I, I bring bad news. Scandal. Scandal. Connected to Fat Bear Week. So last week I told you about this. This is the... Um, this is the view, you know, you get to vote on the fattest bear in the, uh, in the park. This is, uh, the, the, the Katmai National Park in Alaska does this every year. Various different contenders for the fattest bear. And scandal has rocked the event. Uh, this is from NPR. Fat Bear Week emerges from scandal to crown a new champion. And there he is, right there. Uh, 747 <clears throat> is the champion. Fat Bear Week was rocked by scandal over the weekend after organizers in Alaska uncovered voting irregularities that were meant to skew the results of a pivotal semifinal. A new champion was crowned on Tuesday, ending the 2022 competition. In Tuesday's final round, the enormous 747 withstood a challenge from 901, a young upstart female whom the park describes as both exploratory and occasionally mischievous. 747 is the largest bear on the Brooks River in Katmai National Park, and he overcame 901's insurgent push to repeat his 2020 title. This year's competition also saw cheating drama. Fat Bear Week scandal, the National Park announced via Twitter, showing itself to be a model of democratic transparency. Park says its virtual ballot box was stuffed in Sunday's contest between 747 and the blonde-eared Holly. Poll workers seem to have caught the fake votes in timely fashion, lending legitimacy to 747's victory. They reported seeing a late glut of suspicious votes going Holly's way. While not unheard of, it's very uncommon for a bear to come back late in the day like that. Candace Rush of Explore.org told NPR, We ended up finding just over 9,000 spam votes. <laughs> Folks, um, how sad is it that the integrity of the vote for the Fat Bear Week has got more solidity to it? And more believability to it than the presidential election. Is that, is that, I, I, am, am I out of line asking that question? So anyway, congratulations to 747, the fattest bear in 
the park. And apparently he has been. But the other thing, Jezebel had an article on this, and they were talking about the fact that, that out of all of the, the 2,200-some-odd bears in that area, only four seem to continuously end up in the semifinals. And, and that's, that's a scandal in and of itself. I mean, everybody else doesn't, they don't, have, they don't stand a chance. A bit of fun. All right. Now, I was scrolling through stuff yesterday as part of just looking around on the web and, you know, catching up on some things. And uh, Monday night, we were talking about New York Comic Con. Over on the H2O podcast, Mr. Harvey and I were talking about the various different new news announcements and the different things that were coming out of there. And one of the things we talked about was the trailer for Picard, Season 3. And I want to get into that a little bit more detail, because as we're discussing that, one of the things that has struck me about this particular upcoming season of Picard is the tone feels very, very different from the first two seasons. And you have people like Robert Meyer Burnett, who has seen season three and has been singing the praises of season three to everyone's surprise. It's a complete 180 from everything that he's been saying about all of Kurtzman Trek, essentially. And he's he's out there saying, you know, Terry Metalis is the guy. Terry's got it figured out. Terry has got everything back on track. He has fixed Picard. He's saved the show. We've got uh, essentially season eight of Star Trek The Next Generation as opposed to season three of Picard is, is how, is how it's, it's starting to feel in terms of what people are talking about. And you get the trailer and you see all of the different things that are part of this thing and you start getting... Start getting a little curious, you know, some of the ship designs. And then this new trailer that comes out, we see the Enterprise F from Star Trek Online that gets canonized now. It is officially part of the Star Trek universe, and everybody's going all gaga about that. Oh, it's the Enterprise F. Odyssey class, Odyssey class, Odyssey class. You have the show incorporating fan designs of ships. Uh, the Shangri-La class, you know, the, the, new, the new Titan design and, and some different things there. So you're getting, you're getting a lot of, of positive buzz. And Terry Metalis being very, very coy, deftly maneuvering around uh, uh, probing questions on Twitter. I would love to have Terry on for a Deep Space Mind, uh, yeah, Deep Space Minds episode i'd love to have a conversation with him because he's not in a very good position in terms of where the show sits fan reaction to the show he has a huge responsibility not just to the integrity of the program itself the integrity of the show itself but also to there's this expectation Especially now that some people are sitting there going, well, we've seen this. We like what we see. It's all going to be great. It's going to be wonderful. It's, going to be, it's not like anything we've seen in Picard before. So there's this expectation among fans. Are you going to fix it? And that's, that's a big heap of 
responsibility for Terry Metalis to have on his shoulders. Because if it doesn't work, then, I mean, sure, you can... It's it's like it's like the last season of Enterprise, almost where <coughs> you have uh, you have Manny Cotto brought in as a showrunner. They already know that the show is on its way out. That's a final season. It's over after this. So now we can go do whatever, right? And and it is that season four of Enterprise that feels more like Star Trek than any of the other sh- seasons of that show. And a lot of that has to do with Manny Cotto sitting there going, you know what, there's this whole continuity that we need to bring this show in line with everything that we already know about this this stuff. And he started that way, and he had ideas. We talked to him about it on Deep Space Minds, as a matter of fact, and we talked about his. he had ideas for Season 5 that would even get closer to what was established continuity. So now you've got season three of Picard. It's the last season. Terry Metalis, new showrunner. And he did a couple of episodes of season two. We have a new composer doing the music. I mean, it's almost like it's a, it's a brand new crew. I mean, I don't know how many people are still on the show from previous seasons. But new, new musical score. Orchestral incorporating Jerry Goldsmith's music. You know, we get little little bits and clips, and here's some of the, ooh, listen to this. And, and you hear, it's Goldsmith. What's going on? What's happening? And people start to feel, maybe, maybe... There might be something here. Now, I'm cautiously optimistic. I'm not I'm not getting my hopes up. And and you're right, Cam. Manny Cotto almost redeemed Enterprise. And Enterprise in hindsight is probably better than it was when we were watching it. The finale is still not all that great. But now you got Mike McMahon over at Lower Decks trying to figure out how to do a crossover with Enterprise. Because They've done the Deep Space Nine episode. They're doing the crossover with. Uh, they're probably. Uh, they're doing the crossover with uh, with Strange New Worlds. And he wants to do a crossover with Enterprise. How do you do that, Mike? And now there are rumblings. There are rumors. Little little nattering chatter in the background about the possibility of a live-action Janeway revival with Kate Mulgrew coming back to play Admiral Janeway. She's playing Janeway in the Prodigy cartoon. She's expressed interest. People are asking about it. So who do you give it to? Do you give it to Kurtzman? Do you give it to Akiva Goldsman? Do you give it to Terry Metalis? Because if Terry Metalis can pull off Picard Season 3 as the eighth season of Star Trek The Next Generation and not Season 3 of Picard, then maybe, maybe we might be turning a corner 
Maybe. And what about, I don't, I don't mind so much about the female lead, because Catherine Janeway is already an established character from previous continuity. It's not like they'd be coming up with somebody new. It's not like, the, you know, it's not another Michael Burnham. Janeway's got a history. We know this character. And the fact that we're getting new material with Janeway with Prodigy, you know, that kind of feeds that, that rumor machine. Well, is she coming back? You know, because she's, she's in the game. She's in Star Trek Online as well. You've got a mirror universe version of Janeway. So, who knows? But then as I'm scrolling through various different things yesterday, I'm scrolling through YouTube, and Paramount Plus has put a video out following, following the panel New York Comic Con. And I am flummoxed. I am aghast at this video. I am surprised. And I'm not sure exactly what to think about it. Because we got a trailer... And the trailer introduces us to Amanda Plummer at, as... as the villain of the piece. And it's going to be a revenge story, but it's more than that, according to Metallus. And what looks like in the trailer, we've got two different battles. We've got clips from two different battles in this thing. We also see the Enterprise app. We get, every, we get a, a, a look at all of the, all of the next-gen characters back. And, spoiler alert, Moriarty shows up. What? What? Completely out of left field. Completely unexpected. I'm watching this trailer, and Moriarty shows up, and I, I honestly took a breath. Huh. What? Because didn't I? That's that's the last antagonist villain that I would expect to show up. He's inside a box. He's inside a, holo, a holocube box. How is this going to work? And then, wait, Brent Spiner is playing Lore? And Lore looks older? What, did he... Did, is some, some people have been uh, postulating that there are aging protocols that got activated and Lore's allowing himself to get older. Okay, Maybe. I mean, it's science fiction. What are you going to do? But Lore and Moriarty. Now, it's also been pointed out that it would have made sense for season one for Lore and Moriarty to be in that story because you're dealing with the, the whole android synthetic, all of that stuff. They would fit into that, that, that storyline. But what is this storyline going to do? How is it that Lore is back and Moriarty? The mind starts to starts to churn. Like, how are they going to do this? What is this? And yeah, Cam, someone on that staff is a season two fan. Somebody in there. And Terry Metalis has 
given indication that he's a big fan. Sometimes that doesn't always work. We talked about that on H2O before as well. Sometimes being a fan kind of blinds you to the reality of making something new within that continuity. Uh, Chris Chibnall is a good example of that. Loves Doctor Who. But that handicapped him with the kind of stories he wanted to tell. So Jodie Whittaker gets crap material. Nobody likes any of the stuff that they do. And you can't objectively measure Jodie Whittaker's doctor because she had crap scripts. I mean, it's just like Tatiana Maslany over on She-Hulk. She, Tatiana Maslany is a fantastic actress. She's brilliant. You go watch herself over in Orphan Black. It, it, it is hard. You know it's her with all of these different characters that she's playing. But... All of these different characters have distinct personalities. She, it is a tour de force performance from Tatiana Maslany. And here she is over on She-Hulk, and it's a crap TV show. And that goes back to the writers. If the writers whether they're fans or not of the material, whether they, they, they understand the source material, whether they've read the comic books, yeah, what about, says Amelia Clark's been a huge comic book fan all her life. If the writing is bad, then it's not going to be saved by an excellent performance. Your, your, your talent as an actor can only elevate the material only so much. And if it's crap to begin with, it's garbage in, garbage out. And Camus has an, has an, uh, a counter argument for that, but yeah, let's let's hear it. Bring it on. Uh, let's see here. I'll pull. I'll even pull this up here on the chat. Not no knock on her, but we as the audience see this as amazing because she looks the same. Her job as an actress is always to be someone else. Well, that's true. We her performance. See, the thing about it is though, with Orphan Black. Her job is to be someone else times 12. I mean, she ends up playing multiple iterations of... She's playing completely different characters. They all happen to look alike because they're all clones. But they're all completely different. And the kinesiology is different. Her body language is different. Her attitude, her, her delivery, her performance, her stature, everything. And she carried that for... Three seasons? Four seasons? How long did Orphan Black go? And she finally got an Emmy for it. I think they went four seasons. But she's got a lot of talent. And it's being wasted on She-Hulk. Now, we're talking about the trailer. There's another video that Paramount Plus put out after the trailer that has me really, really dumbstruck and I'm not sure what to do with it. And we will talk about that right after this. We have 52 reasons to listen to this podcast, but they may change in six months. This is Sci-Fi For Me Radio. 
little bit of an experiment here this morning trying to make all of this work, so bear with us for a minute. It's a work in progress. Since 2019, Sci-Fi For Me has been bringing you news and opinion from all over the web. Science fiction, fantasy, and horror have been on our radar from the beginning. News, rumors, we bring you the latest with our team coverage. Streaming original content every week. Good Morning Multiverse, live on Sci-Fi For Me TV, delivering the multiverse since 2009. The H2O Podcast, Monday night at 8, only on Sci-Fi For Me TV. I'll push the right button in a minute. All right, back live from the bunker. Jason Hunt here along with all of you, and happy to have you along. Uh, you see there one of my many Star Trek shelves, and yes, those are uh, Windows 95 video game CDs up there in the corner. I don't have any way to play them. If anybody's got a Windows 95 emulator, you can tell me how to put on my on my machine uh, I have yet to figure out how to do any of that so there's uh, there's that welcome back everybody we are talking about the the season three of Picard stuff in, in, a, in a broader sense this is something that I've started to notice from a couple of different places and I want to I want to ask a question but this is this is something that I'm not sure where this is coming from. I have a I have a theory, but I want to I want to get your take on this as well. So you know you can you can pop in the chat or or leave a comment. So I guess this was Monday or Tuesday. They actually put this up on the on the Paramount Plus YouTube channel. It's called a message to the fans coming out of New York Comic Con, and it is a, a mix of the cast along with uh, clips from the event, from the panel, you know, crowd crowd stuff and going around in the hallways and, and people doing the Q&A and all of this. And throughout this whole thing, the cast of Star Trek The Next Generation, from Patrick Stewart all the way through, LeVar Burton's in this, Jonathan Frakes is in this, Marina Sirtis is in this, they're all effusive in their, in their praise and their gratitude towards the fans for 35 years of success of Star Trek The Next Generation. Star Trek The Next Generation has been around for 35 years. And they're making the point in this video that Star Trek The Next Generation has its longevity because of the fans. And this whole video is the fans made us where you know, made us who we are. The fans kept us going. The fans let us you know let us be popular. And it it's all it's all because of the fans. And we're able to come back. And the fans are blessed. I mean, Marina Sirtis sits there and says, "Thank you for my career." Everybody in this is so gracious. And so solicitous, shall we say? Do I, is that the word? I don't know if that's the word. But they're basically sitting there saying, 
thank you to the fans for the success of the show and this opportunity that they have to bring everybody together for this last season. And that's one of the reasons why I keep thinking that the way they're positioning this is almost like season eight of The Next Generation as opposed to season three of Picard. And, yeah, they it's, it's so out of character for them all. I don't know what to make of this. Because you look at the behavior of some of these people online, Marina Sirtis especially, and they are some of the most hateful, angry, terrible people. Now, some of them are not. Kate Mulgrew, she doesn't, she doesn't do a whole lot. She's promoting Prodigy right now. She's promoting the... The, uh, the Star Trek panels at New York Comic Con. She's, that's, that's all she's about. Now, they're promoting the Trek the Vote thing, and we know how that's going to go. But, for the most part, she behaves herself. Marina Sirtis does not. George Takei does not. They are some of the most angry, bitter, resentful, hateful people online. But in this video... They're all smiles. They're all gratitude. They're all grateful. Thank you very much. We love you. We love the fans. The fans are great. And I'm thinking, hang on. What is this? It's an official video from Paramount Plus, which means somebody, somebody, at Paramount, said, hang on. We're going to do things differently. Because if you will remember, back in 2020, this is March of 2020, this article from Esquire, an interview with Sir Pat Stoop, where he basically talked about one of the reasons why he was coming back to do Picard was to talk about Brexit and Trump. And they made it all about politics. It was like, no, 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 no. Don't do that. Don't, don't, don't do that. And now, the tone and the promotion and everything is completely different for this show. And I have to wonder... Who's responsible for that? Because you could, you could suppose, you could speculate that it might be Terry Metalis because he's the showrunner for Picard for season three. And that would make a certain amount of sense, but he's not in charge of promoting all of Star Trek. You've got Mike McMahon out there and, with Prodigy. Or, no, I'm sorry. Mike McMahon's Lower Decks. The, 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 the Hageman brothers are prodigy. Mike McMahon wants Lower Decks to cross over with Enterprise. It's not, it's not prodigy. But Mike McMahon is another one of those. He's just like, I'm, I'm just having so much fun. We're making Star Trek. And he's not attacking anybody. And Kate Mulgrew, she's currently involved in Prodigy, she's not attacking anyone. And so I'm thinking, this got to be higher than Metallus. This has got to be higher than Terry Metallus. It's not Kurtzman. 
Kurtzman is not going to sit there and say, everybody needs to behave yourself. Kurtzman's, how, how involved is he if he's off doing his other stuff, right? So this has to be somebody at Paramount. And could it be the same person who's responsible for pulling Kelvin Trek 4 off the schedule? Could it be that somebody at Paramount finally figured out that J.J. Abrams is not the greatest show on earth like a lot of people believed? Who made this call is my question. Because it's a good call. Don't get me wrong. This is an excellent call. Don't antagonize your customer. We talked about this yesterday or, or, or Monday. Don't antagonize your customer. These are people with money. You have something to sell. You want them to buy. And you don't get them to buy your product by insulting them or degrading them or denouncing them. Calling them names. You don't get somebody to buy your product when you treat them like dirt. And somebody, apparently, somebody at Paramount finally got the memo. And yeah, Keely, you're right. Somebody, Paramount needs a David Zaslav. Maybe they have one and we don't know it yet. Maybe there's somebody, because there's been, you know, there's been changes in, in executive suites at all of these studios lately. I don't know. But I'm wondering who at Paramount finally became a grown-up and said, you know, we probably shouldn't behave like that. Y'all stop it. And now we have the cast coming out saying thank you to the fans. I don't know. Is it a hiccup? See, because this could be an outlier. This could be just a, 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 a bump in the road. It might be an anomaly. Because you're right, we're still getting, we're still getting Ezra Miller as the Flash. We're getting this Mindy Kaling Vel Velma thing. Which, okay. When I saw the, when I saw the trailer for Velma... My first thought is this is this is taking shots at everybody who's ever criticized anything anything in the last five years. This is taking shots at fans. This is taking shots at fandom, the the toxic fandom, you know that that kind of thing. But very briefly, the question came into my mind, and of course, very quickly went out of my head. What if? What if Velma surprises us? And I'm not saying it's going to. I'm not giving them the benefit of the doubt. They have not earned that. I'm speculating. What if Velma subverts every expectation that it's going to be woke garbage by poking at the woke garbage that it's supposed to be? I'm not saying it's going to do that. But the trailer feels very much in that tone where we're going to we're going to poke at everything. If it's a parody, 
And if it's a parody of the Hollywood woke culture, nobody sees that coming. And again, I'm not saying it's going to be like that. I have no idea. I don't have any expectations it's going to be like that. But at this point in time, it feels like, very, 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 very quietly, it feels like the pendulum is starting to swing back to center. Maybe. People are starting to maybe figure out you can't do this and be successful. You can't get yeah, it's the I mean PayPal is learning that lesson now. Although, to be fair, it has been pointed out by a number of people that what PayPal is going through, a lot of the market is going through. I mean, we are in a recession. There are a lot of people that are just kind of pulling back and not getting active on anything. So PayPal's demise could be part of that, but it very much is also the fact that they shot themselves in the foot over the weekend with that $2,500 fee for misinformation. What if? That's my question. May not be a thing. It might not be a thing. It, it, it could very well be that we're all getting sucked in and Picard Season 3 is going to be the worst season ever. And it's going to destroy Star Trek. But. How many projects. Belonging to J.J. Abrams have been canceled in the last six months. How many projects. Have Alex Kurtzman directly involved? I ask Camp. You're right. The D the DC Comics. We've got so many different titles that are being announced with, with for January. I mean, they've got Joe Casada coming back to do art, variant covers. Joe Casada is not a new guy. Joe Casada is probably not going to be cheap. And if you go back to one of the videos that Perch made a while back, he said the, the way you, one of the things that has to happen for comic books to get better is that you have to be willing to pay for better talent. You have to be willing to shell out the money to get the people who are actually good at what they do, both writers and artists. And Joe Casada, whatever you might want to think about him as editor-in-chief at Marvel or chief creative officer at Marvel, Joe Casada's a good artist. That's how he made his bones. That's how that's how he ended up as as as, as editor in chief at Marvel. And now he's back at DC. Never thought I'd see that. Ordway is doing a project. I mean, they're bringing in some names that you recognize, the people who have a history. And you're like, "Hang on a second. And DC, being part of Warner Brothers, it's entirely possible that Zaslav looked at the DC Comics stuff and says, what is all this crap? Do better. Maybe? It's a what if. It's a what if. It's pure speculation. 
because I don't have any any inside information. I don't have any trusted and valuable sources. And I would love to have some trusted and valuable sources. If you work on the inside, send me an email. Call me. I would love to know what's actually going on. I, I don't want to get my hopes up. Because I'm the grumpy old man. I'm the cynic. That was your cue to start. <coughs> I, gave, I gave her the perfect opportunity, ladies and gentlemen, and she blew it. <laughs> oh, wait. Oh, yeah. Here she comes. I wasn't listening because I was having a more important conversation about Stargate. No respect. I I should I should develop and work on my Rodney Dangerfield impersonation man maybe all right okay I don't I like I said, it's pure speculation on my part I have no idea if that's what's going on if the pendulum is swinging back that's great it needs to be in the center everybody just don't antagonize on either side don't antagonize your customers. And don't make it look like you're trying to rip off the customers with your 3,000 variant covers and your new number ones and your event after event after event after event. I'm going to go out on a limb and make a prediction. If this is the case... That the that that somebody at Paramount has has bought a clue, if that's the case, then I would suspect that we might not get the seven of nine Raffi rom com, and we might not get Section Thirty One, which has been in development hell forever. Maybe. Because if, if Janeway happens, then the logical person, pardon the pun, the logical person to put in charge will be Terry Metalis. If he can pull off Picard Season 3 and bring all the fans back and all the fans are happy, he's got a success. He's got a track record. Okay. Because people like what he did with, with 12 Monkeys. Now he's going to get Picard... Let's say season three Picard is a success. Here you go. Why don't we start developing a Janeway show? And if he is the, the, the fan who appreciates Star Trek the way we're all getting presented that he is, then the Janeway show ought to do okay. Maybe. It's that caveat. It's that little maybe at the end of everything. You have to, you have to just tack that on, right? Because all of these productions, not just Star Trek, but Star Wars and Doctor Who and, and 
everything. They have gotten to a place where the audience no longer trusts them to deliver the goods. And you can put all sorts of reasons behind that. Pandemic one, woke culture one, ESG one, who, who knows. But if somebody is paying attention and somebody sits there and says, don't antagonize your customers. They have money. We need money. We have a product to sell. They're the ones who are going to buy it. Don't tick them off. If somebody at Paramount is saying that, then maybe there's a little hope. And Cam, you're right. It, it doesn't take a lot to please fans. I mean, it kind of does in some ways. I mean, you want to tell a good story. You want to have good performances and whatnot. But that bar is that bar is not so high that it's insurmountable. If you have people that are paying attention on the creative side, you have people that are paying attention as, as, the, as the performers, and as the performers, when you get a chance to talk to people about it, you, you, you be nice, then you've, you've got a whole lot better chance of success than if you sit there and call half your audience the Nazis. Just don't attack us. Don't tell us how evil we are because of the way we vote or fill in the blank, whatever reason why you think we're evil. <clears throat> because both sides say it about the other side. And one side, a little bit more evil than the other in actual practice. But we're not going to get into that because it's not this kind of show. I did have a thought every now and again. Every now and again. It's a very brief, very, very, very brief thought. That we set up a politics for me channel. And we could do a mystery for me channel. We could do a science for me channel. And, those, and I think, nope, not going to do it. Wouldn't be prudent. One, we don't have the manpower. Two, I don't know that I could deal with the headaches. Now, if somebody, if somebody wants to franchise it, maybe, 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 that's, maybe that's what we do, is we sell franchises. We sell the For Me franchise. You pay us a fee, <laughs> and we'll let you run a jail. I don't know. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. All right, that's going to do it for us today, folks. Open line Friday this week. December 30th-ish is going to be episode 500. And of course, on, on Saturday, we'll have Good Morning Multiverse. So join us for that. In the meantime, uh, remember to check out our uh, Rumble and Odyssey pages. So let me get that pulled up here. Rumble, we're sitting here. Let me refresh this and see. We're still sitting at 76. Uh, Odyssey, where's Odyssey? Odyssey, we're at 210. So, uh, so check those out. And uh, be back here Friday, 1 p.m. Eastern, for another installment, another edition. I will leave you with this thought. The end.
the only thing that travels faster than bad news is coffee. And there are four lights. This has been a presentation of Sci-Fi For Me Radio. Copyright 2022 by Flaming Dog Media, LLC. All rights reserved. No portion of this program may be retransmitted without the express written consent of Flaming Dog Media. 